Lauren's um, baking cookies downstairs, and I'm hoping that I'm going to get a text saying that she's left some outside the door. <laughs> so you're going to run off whilst I'm talking? Yeah, half halfway through, I might suddenly just dart off to go get cookies. <laughs> Alright, so shall we begin? Yes, do it. Right. Hello, I'm Mike, and welcome to Mammon, the only podcast where you can listen to two mics on mic discussing their own personal top fives. So far we've had top five films and top five games. Now you join us for episode three, where we're about to discuss our top five TV series. But before we get started, I need to introduce my co-host, it's Mike. Hi, it's Mike, I'm Mike. Um, and I feel like, I was going to say I feel like we're getting better, um, but like I've just had some chocolate and coffee and like my throat feels like claggy, does that make sense? Oh, you feel like you're going to just close off for this? One. I just feel like I'm going to be Struggle talking to get and words making, out. yeah, and just making horrible, disgusting noises more than usual, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully See, uh, this time round, we're not going to have any paper rustling or anything like that. We're both clicking our mics, so hopefully, like 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 we've always said, we're just continuing to improve, and hopefully that will show for you guys. Or it'll be a shit show like usual, which. I hope we're saying this on like episode 100. Like, we <laughs> yeah, feel like we've hoped, like we've nailed it now. Now it's professional. <laughs> it just never is. So, other than that, do you think the podcast's going all right so far? Yeah, it was easier and harder than I thought. In what way? I've really enjoyed doing the conversation. This is why I said it's like nice that it's just a hobby. There's no pressure on like no. numbers or money or anything like that. Like I say, the only thing I'd like to get is that sort of that Jonathan, that one random viewer who's completely not connected to either of us, has stumbled upon it, liked it, and just carries on listening. Yeah. Um, just hopefully we don't get random stalker mail through the post and stuff like that. Oh, no. If, if a random fan ends up just in my shower because they love me that much, I won't call the police. They can stay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, it's been it's been easy in that sense. Like I say, it's just two mates chatting, which is quite nice. But that's what I like about podcasts anyway. Yeah. I spoke to you about before. I remember once um, there was this documentary on about how cheese is made specifically in England. It was like an hour and a half, like shitty BBC documentary. But I watched the whole thing because the guy was just, I don't know, so passionate about cheese. Yeah. That I was like, yeah, I'm with you. Let's go on this cheese discovery together. I, w- I once watched a YouTube channel where it was, I can't remember what country he was from. I think he might have been Australian or from New Zealand or somewhere like that. And he made cheese. And he literally just spent an episode talking about making cheese. And I've watched loads of those episodes. Really bizarre that we've both got cheese-related stories here. But... <laughs> but I think that's why I like gaming podcasts so popular. Like, I don't feel like I'm the only person who was a huge gamer. Or I mean, I hate that tag anyway. But in terms of, I played a lot of games in my youth. And it, you know, peaked slash fell off at university because of free time. And then, yeah. you know, I'll listen to a guy talk about a game for 45 minutes. I deep down know I'll never really play or if I do I'll buy it and I'll either never get unwrapped or I'll play like the first 15 minutes of it and then never again um, <laughs> but so I was like why do I keep listening to people talk about games that I'll never play but I think it's because part of you wants to pretend you still will play games and another part is just they're gen you know they're, you don't talk about games unless you're passionate about it and I think that's always just interesting background noise just hearing someone talk yeah. about what they care about and ge- genuine people Instead of yeah. being sort of manufactured to be talking about it, they're doing it because podcasts aren't a monetary thing. They're two people. Well, they're usually about two people just discussing things. Yeah. And you only do that because you're passionate or enjoy talking about that subject. Yeah, definitely. 
Are there any um, top fives that we haven't discussed amongst ourselves yet that you're interested to explore? Um, Have you got any in your head that you're thinking of? I don't know. All of them seem extremely inappropriate now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we won't discuss them then. (laughs) We'll discuss Uh, them amongst ourselves off air. (laughs) No, in fact, we were just having this conversation off air anyway, weren't we? So to be yeah, we kind of were. Where like there's there's top fives that sound really interesting or funny or fun to talk about. But I think like would be a ball late to discuss for an hour and try and drag it out, or it would be so super niche to me and you that it wouldn't interest other people. Yeah, like you know, I'd love to, and as well, maybe the other interest isn't quite as developed. Like for instance, I'd love to do top five fantasy books, but I don't know if as many people would be interested in that. I don't know how many fantasy books you've read. Maybe you could probably not, do not it. Not loads to be fair, but I've, re- I've read enough that I could probably throw one do a top together. five list. Yeah. Yeah, I think the top five stationary one will be a bit of a boring one. Or amazing. <laughs> do you know what we should do? We should record some of these ones that we think are be terrible. And if we just have a vault of, okay, this is never going to air. And then if we ever do make it big, that can be something we release as like a special, like a terrible, unairable podcast we did. <laughs> just be absolute arseholes on Patreon. And when people subscribe, those are the bonus episodes they get. <laughs> yeah maybe they'll like it who knows yeah exactly or maybe we'll just release them as little mini bonus episodes at some point yeah like, we said that and we were doing shorter episodes for ones quick that... 10 minutes episodes on yeah. just little topics that might be might interest some people but won't interest the majority of the public so yeah alright shall we begin then yeah let's do it alright so who started last week I think it was me wasn't it yeah, I think so. Yeah, so, well, do you want to go first? So, top five TV shows, number yep. five pick. I want to start off before I say my number five. That I have watched a disgustingly large amount of TV shows across the years. Um, so, it was really hard to, to narrow this down, particularly because there's so many I wanted to pick because they started off great and then the yeah. quality dropped, you know, in season two, three, four, whatever. Um, so I've tried to pick all five where they're, all the episodes are good. There's no real quality drop-off per se. Um, okay. And I've tried to vary them so they're not all the same type of TV shows. Yes, yeah, see, I had difficulty with that. When I first wrote my list, all of mine were comedies. Yeah. And I thought, like, obviously they are my top five things, but I was like, they can't all be comedies. And then I had a proper sit down and think, and I have managed to come up with a list that is a bit varied and everything. Coincidentally, I've got two shows that start off absolutely awfully, but get better in quality. So I've gone the opposite route. <laughs> I like it. Right, so um, my first choice then is, I guess the first semi-adult show that I remember really being obsessed with wanting to watch it you know like past like Pokemon and things like that when you were a kid yeah uh, it was the first more adult one that I was really interested in and really committed to I remember it would be on Channel 5 after uh, WWF Wrestling on a Sunday I think it was Channel 5 show yeah well it was an American show but it's aired a, on Channel American 5 American import yeah. sort of thing yeah Um, and that was Xena the Warrior Princess interesting choice never yeah. watched it myself Oh, it was amazing. Like I said, I, for some reason, I was a right weird kid. When I grew up, I was obsessed with three things. Football, sharks, and Greek myths. No idea <laughs> why. Um, and yeah, so Xena, 
having that Greek mythology was was brilliant. I, I can't remember if I watched because Xena is a spin off from Hercules. I thought it was the other way around. No, yeah, Hercules started first, oh, okay. and Xena was a sort of breakout character. So she had her own couple episodes as a storyline in um, Hercules, where she's this mercenary, and then eventually spawned her own TV show, where it's her sort of path to redemption. So that was quite cool. So if you caught, if you'd watched the Hercules part, she was actually like the the bad guy, so to speak, for one of the episodes. Mm, okay. um, and then Xena starts off as her trying to redeem herself for being this warlord, essentially. Okay. Um, and like I said. What was great about it is it's. I'm sure perhaps you know shows have done it before, but it's the first time I really saw something where we had spin-off shows and you had characters like recurring characters throughout the seasons who would come, uh, who would come into Xena and to Hercules and so and so on and so forth, or just characters that were recurring characters in Xena. There'd be a few episodes every season, and that was quite interesting as well because as soon as you watched the episode, you knew it was going to be a good episode. It was one of your favourite characters from the past and things like yeah, that. Yeah, someone returning in. Yeah. And again, I tried to rewatch it a couple of years back, and it it does not hold up. Does not hold up well in terms of the SFX. Like at one point, I remember Hercules being on an episode, and he holds this boulder above his head. You know, clearly show his strength, and it's so clearly paper mache. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> um, so sometimes when I was rewatching, it, I was like, "How did I not turn it off seeing that?" But obviously, at the time, it must have looked great to a you know whenever whatever year it came out, and. Um, but what does still hold up for me is that that core essence of this character who wanted to get redemption, and she had a sidekick called Gabrielle, who was uh, the complete opposite of her, quite innocent, quite sweet, quite naive, not good at fighting at all. Um, but she was that human element to this quite dark character, really, for this fairly PG show. And it had, I think it was, I think the, the phrase I'd use for Xena is ahead of its time like a lot of the things that it uh, i thought was brilliant a lot of shows over the years since then have done and i don't know if they were directly influenced by xena or not but it it feels like it i I remember being the first show big show like that where it had a lesbian storyline okay um so that that was fantastic i remember uh having this really strange episode and buffy did something similar with it where all of a sudden we have this greek mythology based show and then one episode lucy lawless characters in a in our world in the modern times in a mental institute uh, and essentially the whole episode was that she's she's had a breakdown and and she started and she's believed these uh, that she's this woman called xena and and all of this and some of the characters from the show um, are like the therapist or you know the staff there yeah akin to um, like Wizard of Oz sort of thing yeah and she, then she has to make a decision whether or not to essentially you know try and cure herself and you know admit these things are wrong or, or completely commit to the world and I think I, f- I feel like there was probably a storyline in, in there as well that perhaps there's some bad person who's put a spell on her which yeah, so it'd be like which one's true is it the yeah. spell that's been put on her or is she really in there um so although I don't think it worked, I think again, like, I think it very much had brave storytelling for a '90s TV show. I think a lot, like I said, a lot of things it did was was groundbreaking, and a lot of shows since then have, have tried to copy or use it as a roadmap to interesting storytelling. Yeah. So I, I've never, like I said, I've never actually watched it. But you mentioned about Greek myths in there. Mm-hmm. So is that involved in the story then? A lot of Greek myths. Yeah, so um, Ares is Zena's ex-lover, 
Okay. Uh, and he's a recurring character in it throughout. Like I said, Hercules comes in. Uh, there's an episode with Prometheus in there where they try to save him. So yeah, lots of the the Greek myths are in there. I never realised that about that. Yeah, but it it humanises a lot of it and world building so it's all going on rather than it feeling like lots of different independent stories you know like greek myths often can um yeah they're all very short stories that interconnect in some way aren't they yeah whereas these felt like it was a living breathing world like the the, the law and the world building you know i guess they um took a lot of the powers away from certain characters so they felt a bit more human on sort of xena's level but it worked uh, because it made them feel more realistic, I guess, in, in the world that was being built. Okay. I might have to actually give this one a go. It's always been one that... Because I think it was on Sky 1 at one point, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, it was always one that I always saw on there. And everyone's heard of Xena Warrior Princess. Um, especially if you're sort of our age. Yeah. But it was just one that I never sat down and watched or anything like that. But even if it hasn't held up well, knowing the era that it's from, I'd probably still sit down and give it a go. Yeah. So this is one that you've actually intrigued me about. And she had this cool weapon. I think it was called a, a, sh- a chakram. And it was chakram. this sort of uh, circular metal band, almost, rather than a disc, that she would throw um, that would hit off, like, three piece, you know, three bits of stone and then hit someone in the face. What was amazing, though, is that whole edge was, like, razor sharp, and it hit people in the face, but knocked them unconscious, and they'd have no, like, bloody gashes on their faces. Oh, all. yeah, of course. It's like in um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, the TV show, that they, the cartoon they did yeah. back in the 90s. They all had weapons, but they weren't actually allowed to use their weapons. Yeah, I remember, because I vi- violence like was considered you bad. told me that, but I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think as a kid I ever picked up on the fact they no. weren't ever fighting, if you know what I mean. No. I've never watched it back to see what they did instead. Yeah, good choice. Like I think I might have to go um, seek that one out again. I don't know where you'd find it these days, but... To be fair, I think I've just talked myself into buying it on Apple TV and re-watching it. Well, I'll be, I'll be around there to watch it with you then. <laughs> Sounds Once good. lockdown's over, obviously. Obviously, we're not breaking lockdown. <laughs> no. Right, good choice. Right, ready for my number five? I am. So... I think this one scored so highly because it's one that I've watched very recently mm-hmm. and really, really enjoyed, completely binged it. And it's a show we actually started together, and that's The Mandalorian. Nice. So me and Mike recently, we'd, obviously, we'd heard everyone talking about The Mandalorian, and I'm talking about sort of like a month ago at the minimum. We'd heard everyone talking about it, and we sort of vaguely knew, unfortunately, some of the spoilers, but we'd never sat down and watched it. I'm not massively into Star Wars. I enjoy the films, but that's probably as far as it goes. I don't understand all the lore behind it, and I know it's a fantastical series like in terms of all the stories behind everything, and it's something that I am interested in finding out at some point. But we decided, well, let's sit down and watch it together, and then we can sort of talk through if there's bits of the lore that we don't understand and things like that. We watched the first, two, first four episodes, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. And... I came away absolutely loving it. And then the two days that followed, I watched both series. Absolutely binged it. And it was just a fantastic series. Like, the budget was phenomenal. Like, some of the set pieces, like in the second second episode, just the um, big sort of like a... It was almost like a highway car chase scene, but with a load of those um, sand people. Is that what they're called? Um... 
We're really proving our knowledge here now. Yeah, I think they're called the Sand People. We'll go with Sand People. Do you want me to, yeah, you want me to Google as you talk? Yeah, you can do. I'm fairly certain they're called Sand People. But it was like he was trying to chase down um, the Sand People because they'd stolen bits of his uh, ship. And he just felt really, really action-heavy. And it felt like it came straight out of a movie, to be honest with you. And I just really liked it. The story was really interesting and actually went somewhere. And it sort of felt like slowly across his adventures. I'm not going to spoil too much because I'm sure most people are aware of the massive spoiler. But it is still quite a recent show. Do you but, want the name? Yeah, go on. They're called Jawas. Jawas, yes. So they refer to them as sand people, don't they? They do, they are right. Okay, that's fine then. Yeah, so the Jawas. But anyways... Uh, so as you sort of go on those adventures, you can see like the characters are building up and the people around are building up, and eventually he like needs those people in his time of need, and it's just a really interesting story and makes me want to look around. Like I'm interested in watching the Clone Wars now. I think same to you talk about. I think first of all, I think as a selling point, if you're trying to sell with someone, the fact that you, we watched what four episodes didn't we together? Yeah, uh, and then you watched the rest of season one and all of season two over two days. Yeah. That's <laughs> A hell of a recommendation in itself, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I agree with you. I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan. Um, and I think the reason for that is I think the concept is amazing. But I'm not always convinced with execution. Yeah. Whereas I think The Mandalorian was where... Uh, was where I could see it both ways. Uh, that and Rogue One for me were the times where it clicked. I was like, "This is not just good. This is amazing. The the acting's good. The writing's good." Yeah, it's, it seems as though Star Wars needs to go away from the Skywalker saga yeah. to actually become good. Or even the Jedi. I think the Jedi's are so cool, but it's a bit like Superman, isn't it? Superman's hard to do because he's so powerful. Yeah. That it's hard to make him interesting. The stakes are hard to, to create because ultimately, like, well, he's got a lightsaber and the force, and even when they die, they can just come back anyway. Yeah, His exactly. ghost forever. Oh, I'm a ghost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas this way, you have characters who you genuinely feel like are are in danger every single time they're on the screen. Oh yeah, absolutely. There was numerous times throughout both series that I genuinely feared for the Mandalorian's life. I was like, I know this. He, he, it's his the series is literally named after him, but I felt like he wouldn't survive the situation that was happening, and that's what I've quite liked about it. It's like it felt as though anything could happen. It was fair yeah. game for anything to happen, and I'm really intrigued where they're going to go with the series now. They sort of seem to have set up a few different spin-offs as well, um, with various different characters seen throughout the show. But yeah, I just think it's a brilliant show and really well done. John Favreau did well to direct it and produce it. Nice one. Well sold. Yeah. I'm looking forward to re- finished it, to be fair. Yeah. That's going to be my half-term treat. Like, there's some things I'd love to talk about right now, but it's just massive spoilers, so I don't think it's fair on a show that's only a year and a bit old. Because it only came out in November 2019. See, all of my shows are finished, so I can be... But I, st- I still don't want to, because I'm hoping that we'll convince some people who haven't seen these shows to pick them up and watch them. Yeah, no, that's that's the whole idea of any of this anyway. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. I really like to think that someone, after listening to the first one, picked up a PS1 and replayed Rugrats now. Oh, I, <laughs> genuinely, I started Googling afterwards like um, to see if there was anywhere that I could pick it up. And there was a few people selling them on Facebook. Really? Yeah, genu- genuinely looked it up afterwards. 
really, oh, really tempted because a few of them had like the Rugrats in Paris game. I never played that one, but it was just a game I do remember playing it quite vividly. It's like, oh, I'd love to actually go back and replay that. <laughs> Number four? Yeah, go for it. Um, this is one that I think is mixed for me. So this is my comedy choice. Okay. So I guess a bit of a spoiler. It's my only like, you know, core comedy. Okay, that's good. Because if it doesn't match, then I think we're clean sailing the whole way through with, <laughs> with without overlapping anything. I think we've done well not to do this. We don't yeah. spoil, in case anyone's wondering, we genuinely don't spoil this for each other. We we come in not knowing each other's choices. And we don't have a plan if we have got set the same choices. We don't actually know what we're going to do, so it's going to be exciting when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, this could be it. Yeah, this could be um, the moment. I don't know if... I wouldn't, this isn't the funniest comedy for me. Okay. But it's my favourite. And I think the reason for that is I, I think I can find comedy difficult to watch or binge when it's pure comedy. Like, um, like for instance, shows that are really funny, like the IT crowd, I, I, it's not something I just want to pick up and watch. It's not easy watching per se, I think, because it's just pure comedy. Uh, I like there to be a bit of heart, a bit of storyline a bit of continuity where, you know, in, if someone dies, they're not just back the next episode, like in The Simpsons or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that show that for me that, you know, definitely was comedy, that was his main thing, but had enough of the other elements to keep me interested was Scrubs. Oh, good choice. Um, and like I say, it's funny. Uh, there's got a lot of heart. Uh, it's got one of the best ending. I think in the past five or ten years, some of the popular TV shows have ended really badly. Yeah. Whereas Scrubs ended, the ending was amazing. When JD walks out, uh, this isn't a spoiler, JD walks out and there's uh, like a uh, white cloth in front of him and there's like a projector projecting this sort of potential future that he might have. And it made you so emotional because it was eight years of investment of storylines of growth and you were like yeah that's what i imagine their life will be like so it gave you a nice little look of of what the show would be like when it ends i really like the mu the music that was played over the top of it the book of love it just really felt heartfelt yeah. the whole thing really yeah. emotional um i don't count the final season or season nine i think it was because it was a spin-off it even had its own name it's even scrubs colon md or something like that the or interns i think it was the interns yeah uh, so although there was characters popping up it, for me that was more of a spin-off than it was a continuation so yeah. i'm not counting that um and i loved it but when it really became this is this is genuinely good TV. On a, on a, you have to mean, like I said, comparing this to any level of TV shows, not just comedies. Uh, it was season five, episode 21. And if, you, if you're if you a Scrubs fan, when I say the song that plays, you will know exactly what episode. And it was the fray, How to Save a Life. Oh, yeah. And it's where Dr. Cox has given three patients a... Um, organ transplant oh, and it turned I'm genuinely out that getting the... goosebumps remembering the scene genuinely exactly <laughs> and it was um essentially he he didn't realize that the the person who died had i want to say maybe rabies or something yeah, like that so everything he gave infected them and all three ended up dying and it was that anger like there was just a five minute scene where there wasn't a single joke there was nothing funny it was pure 
you saw everyone crashing one by one, didn't you? Yeah, exactly. It was raw emotion, and it was going for his anger, and then going to his sort of this fact he's given up. Yeah. Um, and again, I think comedy often has a, it has a sort of that reset, that unofficial reset button, where the next episode, everything goes back to the status quo. Whereas the next episode, he's depressed, and JD's got, you know, trying to find a way to um, save him and, and bring him back. And there were so many moments like that where characters had these um went through these these trials you know physical emotional whatever and they would be slightly changed by it and that would continue that growth and you know it wasn't huge but across the the eight years you know characters had changed they had matured or grown and stuff like that they were still their core character at heart you know jd was still jd but you know he had changed yeah dr cox had softened um particularly when he had a child and things like that and like I say, for me, it, to binge watch eight, eight seasons of just pure comedy would be difficult without that continuity, without that drama, without that heart of the show, that, well, that you know emotion. There was a show in which you actually cared about all the supporting characters as well, because obviously the whole show was built on the concept of JD and the will they, won't they with Elliot. That sort of seemed to be the basis, to begin with at least, like they sort yeah. of fizzled that out and then brought it back in the later few series. But then you obviously had um, Carla and Turk, you had the janitor, you had Dr. Cox, Dr. Kelso, um, Todd. You had so many of these characters that were just like minuscule. Like, cause I've start, I started watching the first series again. And even um, like there's so, some characters that barely appear. But then by the end of the um, whole see- show, they're sort of big major characters and you care about what's happening to them. And that's what I quite yeah. liked about it as well. It was just very emotional and scrubs also has that a one episode i've probably watched it about 15 times i used to love scrubs throughout university watched it all the time i would always cry at it and it's the episode i think it's about season three where um brendan fraser returns as mm. ben and it's just the whole episode like this is a massive spoiler whole episode of um dr cox seeing his brother-in-law and thinking he's okay and chatting to him and then it turns out at the end of the episode he's actually at um his brother-in-law's died and he's actually at the funeral and it's just heartbreaking that moment you realize it was just absolutely heartbreaking no matter how and- many times you watched it and for a comedy show to make you feel like that that's that that's big that's really really impressive in my eyes Again, you know, brave decision making because comedy often at that time was that reset. That right, let's go back to being funny now. We might have we might have had a little bit of sadness, but now let's just carry on and go back to that status quo. You know, I think, you know, well, I'm not going to badmouth Friends because I'll lose every. <laughs> every oh, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. I don't like Friends. <laughs> oh, I do. I don't. I don't not like it, but I do feel like it very much had that. Actually, that's a terrible shout because there was lots of continuity and stuff like that. So I'll take, I retract all of my friends' I think comments. TV series, live action, do have comedy series do have continuity in them, but they're just a bit a bit more loose on it. Well, I tell you what, friends, friends never went as dark as often as deep as Scrubs. No, there we go. I'll definitely say that about it. And that's and like I say, that's where you know I felt like you know Scrubs wasn't afraid to. Um, 
take off its genre and, and and be something else, whether that be for a whole episode, five minutes, ten minutes, whatever. And I, and I, I liked that about it. Like I said, that's what kept me watching is I was just as invested in the characters as I was in the fact it was a comedy. And like early seasons, How I Met Your Mother was the same. Yeah. I don't think I ever really laughed out loud or found How I Met Your Mother that funny, but I just enjoyed the characters and their interactions for so long. Um, but that's another show that ended ruined it for yeah, me. Yeah, so that unfortunately didn't make it. But How I Met Your Mother has got one episode in which, oh, it was a fantastic episode in which it did have that heartfelt, heartfelt punch to it. And it's the episode where Marshall's dad dies. I don't know if you yeah. remember it. Because the whole no, episode... Be honest, I said, yeah, I don't think I do. The whole episode, sort of... You you start to spot that there's numbers counting down in the background. So across the various scenes, like it goes from something like 30 down to 1. And it's counting down. And you're sort of like... It's a bit of fun, like, as you're watching the episode, when you realise what's happening. It's like, oh, there's that number, there's that number, slowly counting it. And then it gets to 1 with a taxi arriving. And Lily gets out of the car and says to Marshall that his dad's died. And it's absolutely awful. Like, you've got this excitement the counting down. And then all of a sudden, like, this big punch to sort of knock you out at the end. And it was very well done, actually. But we're not here to talk about How I Met Your Mother. No, it, it was Screw scrubs. How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> it, it ended badly. It doesn't deserve that much praise. Well, there you go. There's my number four and my one and only comedy choice. And let's hear yours. Which is good, because it means that we're now clean sailing for this episode, I think. Unless for some reason you don't think some of mine are comedies, which is bizarre. Anyway, my number four is a... I don't know what dra- what dra- drama is the genre that it is, but it's got bits of comedy in there, um, romance. It's a fun show. And I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called This Is Us. Yes. Do you know what? I was just talking to someone about this the other day, actually. That's so funny oh, you really? mentioned that. Yeah. Well, I hope they're saying good things about it, because it's a brilliant show. Uh it's got um, Mandy Moore, Milo Ventimiglia, I can never pronounce his name right. From... He was fantastic in the first season of Heroes as well. Oh, was he in that? I know he's in Gilmore yeah. Girls. Don't know much. Oh, yeah, I've never watched well. Heroes. Uh, it's Sterling K. Brown, who's like a big up-and-coming actor. He seems to be in everything these days. And it's... I think the first episode draws you in with a plot that's not te- technically true. But because it is only the first episode, and it's been around for five seasons now... I'll happily spoil it. So they sort of try to... The whole series premise is it's about four people who share the same birthday. Uh, but then you slowly realise at the end of the episode, like all their lives seem to be intertwined. And then you realise that actually Milo and uh, Mandy Moore's characters, they're, the action that you're seeing is like in the 70s. And they're the parents of the other people. And... It turns out that one of them's adopted and they're actually triplets. Well, there was triplets. One of them died and then they adopted someone else. And it's just really interesting the way they sort of build you into that. And you don't realise it was going to happen. But then it becomes about the interaction and there's a lot of social commentary in there. Like they open up the like, latest episode. And obviously they couldn't ignore about COVID and the Black Lives Matters protests and all that sort of thing. But it was really interesting seeing. So Sterling K. Brown's character is called Randall. And um, one of the his sister comes out and was like saying that she's been to some of the protests to support him, and he's like, "But why now? Like throughout my life, black people have died on TV. Why is it only now that you seem to care?" And it's like really a good point. It's like, why now are there all these big protests? To sort of obviously, black lives have always mattered, but it's such a big movement. And he's like, "Why have you only sort of started seeing this now when you've lived with me our entire life?" 
and it's like it's not afraid to sort of go through all these social commentaries and all that sort of stuff it's just a brilliant fun show really recommend it for anyone yeah i think i think with that as well like it almost has a mystery in it in, in some ways as well because when you go to their parents you know flashback and you see them as kids like for instance at the start their relationships aren't perfect you know the, the siblings yeah um so have you actually watched so this then yeah i watched the first season yeah and yeah there's that mystery isn't there of of okay why are they not close what is it in their past and then i think the uh you know certain characters in the past we don't see appear in the in the present so you're like yeah. what's, what's going happened on there, there? Yes. yeah and that's and again it's all these sort of mysteries that you're trying to solve in the past as well yeah it's got a lot of sort of twists and turns to it and all sorts of things like that it's heartbreaking at time i can't remember um what the exact quote were you know like um saw films like torture porn mm. this is like cry porn it's almost like going for the tears just for the sake of it but they do it they do it well to be fair to them you can't fault it it's got so many great great storylines in it yeah i think that's you know it's got Again, that's got a nice mixture of like, you know, drama, like I say, social commentary, heart, bit, a uh, bit of um, mystery, intrigue in there. Yeah. Um, well, one of my favourite characters is the um, guy who plays. Is it Taserface from Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes. Yeah, he plays um, one of the characters, Toby, in the show, and he's just he brings the comedy to any situation. He's just a really funny guy, and also he's him and. Um, I can't remember the uh, character's name, but the character played by Milo. Uh, the kind of husbands and boyfriends that everyone should strive to be. They just make they put everyone to shame. They're just fantastic people, but it's just really funny the whole the whole show and heartfelt and really recommend it. It's on Amazon Prime and Channel Four. Really recommend it for anyone. Well, I'd say I remember when I watched it as well. My favorite bit was definitely the the flashbacks of their parents like yeah. that part like their relationship was amazing i loved them and oh like yeah they're, they're, they've got one of the best relationships on tv I've, i think i've ever seen and Who, it's, who's it, your favorite character to follow if you know what i mean out of them they're, they're mine i think is is mandy moore and milo yeah i'd agree um i i think milo's storyline's fantastic in it because in further series we get flashback even further to him being younger and also sort of being in vietnam war with his brother, um, Nicky. So it does sort of dwell further into those characters. But I quite like the Kate and Toby relationship. So Kate and Toby met at a fat club. But throughout the series, they sort of their relationship blooms and blossoms. They get married and further things happen because I won't spoil that too much because it's later series. But it is a really interesting and nice story to go on. And especially because you see a lot of pain in Kate that she struggles to share and talk about. And it slowly she slowly opens up about it as the series goes on. And she gets into singing, which is what her mum did as well. So there's that sort of family there. It's just a really, yeah, I can't fault the show. Nice, I like it. Right. My n- number three? Go for it. When we said this, although this isn't my number one pick, it's my number three. It was the first TV show that popped into my head when we mentioned this category. Um, and for that reason, I nearly didn't pick it. Because I feel like it's one of those shows that people groan and go, <laughs> of course one of them picked that. 
But I felt also felt like I couldn't not pick it just because it's an obvious choice. What sort of genre is it? Um, crime. Sopranos. No, Breaking Bad. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I didn't. I almost did want to pick it. I think because it's it's such an obvious choice. Time but, to go controversial. I've never watched it. Do you know what? As well, and I'm glad you said that as well because I, I want to give you some advice potentially if you do watch it. Um, it's become obviously super popular, hasn't it? And it's one of those, you know, probably one of those recommended TV shows. Well, I talked ever. about last in the last episode of the podcast that if something mm. gets such critical acclaim, I almost shun it for no reason whatsoever. But it's yeah. just what I do. I think lots of people do, don't they? It's yeah. like, you know, it becomes popular to shit on it, doesn't well, it? Well, like Game of Thrones, I never, I didn't actually get into Game of Thrones until like the fifth season. And then, I bet, when you caught up, you wish you hadn't by the end. Well, well I, I haven't watched series one to four, I'll tell you that now. <laughs> because so much changes, I actually understood exactly what was going on by season the five. The worst bit is, you watch to the end and you've missed the best four seasons. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. Um, Breaking Bad, it, does, it doesn't have the best start. Okay. And um, it's where the character Gus comes in that I feel like, I think in season two, that it really goes, okay, this is, this is world-class TV. Um, and I feel like one of the reasons why I didn't want to but I had to, to bring in Breaking Bad is because of what it did for TV. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the complaints has always been that TV is never going to be sort of Oscar worthy, you know, that sort of level of quality and acclaim. Um, and for a long time, you know, the big actors wouldn't ever drop down. It was a bit like, um, you know, being a film actor was playing in the Premier League and being a TV actor was the championship or lower. Um, so once you got into Premier League, you never wanted to drop down. Whereas now, uh, you, know, you know, things were like True Detective and things like that started, you know, big, big actors. Like, I want to be working in TV because some of the writers in the TV industry are so much better than some of the writers in the film industry. Um, and the directors as well. We've seen lots of people who started off their career and you've gone like IMDb and they film like episode of Breaking Bad, an episode of this, that, that, and then they go on to direct films because the, you know, it's. I think it gave TV, or was one of the main reasons during that time where TV started to get the recognition that it deserved that this could be high quality entertainment on the level of cinema. And like I say, I think that was through the acting, I think that was through the writing, that was through the direction. But, But what Breaking Bad did really well um, was rather than every episode being blockbuster and amazing, there was often slow build-ups for a high payoff. Uh, so you'd have these episodes that would build in tension, just slowly, 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 surely, surely, surely. And then there'd be this episode, you know, maybe in the middle or towards the end of the season, where all of that payoff and that build-up in those four episodes all came to a head in one okay. moment, and it was so worth it for that episode um, so even though at times it was slow, um, it was worth it. And I think it that's where Netflix as well started to show its worth. Like Game of Thrones would have, wouldn't have been as good if on a Netflix show where it was all released at once because part of Game of Thrones was that sort of water cooler conversation. You know, each week you talk to people at work about yeah. the episode and your theories uh, and you predict what's going to happen next. Whereas I think what was good with Breaking Bad is because it was perhaps a slower paced show, you could binge through those episodes to get to the payoff so it didn't feel as as difficult. Yeah, so you weren't just watching one episode and be like, well, what was the yeah. point watching that? 
because you can be like, well, I'll watch the next one to see what the payoff for that actually was and if it's worth me continuing. That's it. That's why I, I'm not as big a Breaking fan as other people. I think part of the problem was when I watched it, the first two seasons had already come out. Yeah. So I caught up and binged it and was loving it. Maybe the first three. And then after that, I was having to watch it on the weekly... Uh, I think it was coming out weekly episodes on Netflix then. And it became difficult for me because I'd have that slower paced episode which I knew deep down would pay off but I'd be like I've waited all week nothing really happened and now I've got to wait another week so I think you will enjoy it more than perhaps I did because you'll you'll have the whole series there available yeah. to you and if you well it isn't it is a show that I do want to watch it's not me just not watching it it's just I don't think I've ever got round to watching it well just as a quick sell because I don't really explain it for any I just assumed everyone knows it now you know, everyone's heard of it. Everyone knows what's about. Yeah, that's but... the thing. I do know the plot and everything. I like you can't shy away from these sort of things, especially ones that have had such big followings. I think as well. I think the, pre- the premise is cool, though, isn't it? It's this man in America who has no health care. He has cancer. He can't afford the treatment. Um, so he decides to use. You know, the only skills he's got is he's a you know he's a chemistry teacher. He's got a chemistry degree. He used to work for a big company, and he can he can make meth to a very very high quality, but. He doesn't, you know, he's he's never been involved in that world of crime, so he needs no. another character to help him. So he uses a, an ex-student who is a, a drug dealer, sort of a local low-tier drug dealer, a dealer and asks him to sort of help. Uh, so the premise, I think, is really cool, but actually the execution is way better than the premise. What I do love is, though, is if that show was filmed. It's a show that could never be filmed in the UK. Because it'd be like, oh, he just goes to the NHS. Here's your fine. treatment because it's free. <laughs> <laughs> it got memed on hard for that. <laughs> yeah. No, brilliant choice. And like I said, it's, yeah. People might be thinking, oh, yeah, of course you picked that. It's a top, one of the top shows of all time. But I think justified in picking it. If it's your one of your top shows, of course it should be there, regardless of whether everyone else thinks it is as well. Yeah, and I just felt like it, it deserved it. it like. There's only other... Well, yeah, I felt like it deserved it. I'll leave it at that. I won't want to spoil yeah. any others. Yeah. No, it's one that I do plan on watching. Are you ready for my number three? I am. So, my next two are slow burners to get into. But this one was the slowest of all burns to get into. The first season is one of the worst seasons of, of any TV show I've ever watched. And the second season is good, but doesn't actually get amazing until the 23rd episode of season two and you've I mean, really got to stick with it i already am not giving this show a chance <laughs> oh i think i think you would have watched it to be honest with you it's parks and recreations oh yeah yeah and do you know exactly what i'm on about uh which ep- is what is the specific episode the reason for why you loved it not the reason why but two people join so we get introduced to two characters, Ben Wyatt and Chris Traeger. And that's where the show becomes amazing, in my opinion. The is second Chris Traeger is... show um, Rob Lowe? Yes. Yeah, so oh, Rob yeah. Lowe is Chris Traeger and Adam Scott yeah. is Ben Wyatt. Yeah, you're right. Do, do you know what? When I think of Parks and Recs, you're right. I, I don't think I even consider before then almost. In exactly. my head, I if you'd asked me when those two characters came in now, I think I would have said they were from the start. Yeah, and there was a show a character, sorry, Mark Brendanowitz, who you no one ever remembers. He was in the first two seasons and leaves after the second season, and never get gets mentioned again. But 
it's once all those things happen, it becomes an amazing show. So the plot is, it's genuinely, like the concept of it has to be one of the most dullest ideas ever. Yeah. Um, it's just a mockumentary series about a parks and recreations department in the government. And there's not really anything more to it than that, is there? Uh, the lead character, Leslie Nope, has plans to become quite big in politics and she sees it as like a jumping off point and she's very, very passionate about her job. But in the first first series, she's annoyingly passionate about her job. Whereas the second season, they completely change her character completely. And she's still pa- passionate about her job, but in a charming, sincere way, she actually... It feels genuine, the reason why she is so passionate about the job, as opposed to almost forced in the first season. And it's just got a great cast of characters. Every man wants to be Ron Swanson. He's literally the man's man, played by Nick Offerman. Uh, It's a show that really got Chris Pratt into the limelight as Andy Dwyer. And just absolutely love it. And they even recently did a quarantine reunion special. And even that felt the same as the original series. It didn't feel forced. It was Well, it felt a little bit forced, but it still had the passion and the love to it that the other episodes have. I'm just thinking of this as well. Two of my favourite characters from this. Uh, my favourite is Jean-Ralphio. Um, oh, yeah. And my second favourite is uh, Tom Haverford by uh, Aziz and Zora. I think they're fantastic. Yeah. They make me laugh so much. Um, they are the worst. I was, yeah, was going to wa- I say I could watch them two as a spin-off, but actually, I think it needed characters like um, Anne Perkins. Is that Rashida Jones? I think, isn't yeah. it? Um, who was a a character that you know is quite dull in comparison to the larger than life characters around her. Oh yeah, but, she's just a nurse. Well, she comes into it being like, "What the hell is almost going on?" Yeah, she's the she's the. I forgot what the word is, but she's the serious actor that has the comedy happening around her, really, isn't she? Yeah, but I think you need that to ground it, you know, so it doesn't get away from itself. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think, yeah, great show. So many, so many funny moments. Yeah, and I think, like um, we discussed before, it's a show in which if it wasn't for the supporting characters, it wouldn't be as big, but the supporting characters, because you feel for every single one of them. There's so many supporting characters in the show. But all of them absolutely lovable. Yeah, I think that's a, I think it's a great choice, and and you know it's good when you see that it's to varying levels of success, but it really has been a a, a platform for those actors to go on to bigger and better things with a show which. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, wasn't that big when it first came out at all. Well, Chris Pratt's the main one that obviously everyone talks about. Yeah, but even Amy Poehler now, you know, she's getting so many more writing jobs and, and she's done some, you know, films that maybe didn't do well critically, but, you know, they had big budgets. Well, and yeah, because she's uh, partnered with uh, Tina Fey normally. Yeah. And then obviously yeah. Nick Hoffman's gone on to do more stuff. Audrey Plaza's done quite a few films where she's been a lead character. Aziz Ansari's had his own Netflix show. Is it, is it Master, yeah, of, Master None? of None? Really. Yeah, Master of None. Yeah. Watched it. It's a really, really, really good show, but I don't think I'm its audience. So there's a great episode in which it's him obviously being an Indian Mm. um, and one of his friends who's, I'm going to say Chinese, but I apologise if that's incorrect. um, And it talks about... I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) We'll cut that little bit out of you. No, we're not cutting it at all. (laughs) Um, And it talks about their difficulty in growing up with sort of trying to impress their parents and stuff like that. And obviously, as a white British male, I couldn't relate to that. 
but I understood it all. So I think the show is a lot more aimed at people who have those um, cultural diversities as they when they're growing up. But it's still a great show. Really do recommend it for people if they've not watched it. Uh, but yeah, I just I do absolutely love the show. Uh, it's a great one. There's a, <laughs> we, me and Lauren watch um, this show called Making It, which <laughs> is hosted by uh, Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler. But I think the reason we enjoy watching it, all it is, is it's basically Bake Off for crafting. So people craft various things. Like they always have like a shed hack where they have to make, turn their shed into a sort of big building with sort of designs and everything. But I think part of the charm of watching it is because it's seeing Amy and Nick Offerman together again. And it feels like it's Ron Swanson and Leslie Nope, the two characters they play <laughs> in Parks and Recreation. It's just, it feels like it's a continuation of that show. And they've just gone away from the Parks and Recreations Department and started a show about making stuff. And I think that gives goes to show you the charm that the fact the characters can, or the actors can be, they obviously get on well. Yeah, and I think, well, in fact, that links on well quite nicely to my number two. Because my number two, I think, is the very reason for that is, is there's quite clearly a chemistry between the actors um, which show on screen. Okay, I'm ready for your number two then. Uh, my number two should have slash would have been my number one if the show had not been cut short. So it got cancelled earlier then? Yes. So my number, which probably has told you what it is, I think. Yeah. Um, so my number one as a result is because it's, for number one, is perfect start to end. I'll talk more about that when I get there, obviously. So my number two is, were you, what is it? Is it Firefly? No, it's the bill. Do you remember the bill on RT? No, yeah, it's Firefly. <laughs> um, well, the bill, the bill, it ended nice. It 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 just went into the the um, detectives and it became a crime drama it, again, didn't it? Be, that was the issue with the bill. Is the bill still going? Is it? I no, no, it's not. It stopped being about the random beat cops and more about the um, detectives and people on higher up trying to solve the murder mysteries and things like that. So it just became one of those sort of generic shows. Oh. Which I hate. There's none of those types of detective shows. One, I, they, I find them so repetitive. But Death in Paradise is a good one. Um, Firefly. Yeah, I spoke a little bit about it. Obviously, when we mentioned Serenity for my films, and yeah, it was cut short for Straightness of Fox. They um, aired the episodes out of order. They felt like the pilot wasn't interesting enough. There was enough action, so they aired episode. So the pilot was one episode one and two was meant to be the pilot back to back, which set up the world, the characters perfectly. So they aired episode three, where it was an action sort of heist episode, because they thought it was more interesting, which you know didn't help. And they switched the time slot and didn't tell anyone. And eventually it got to about 13 episodes and it got cancelled. What's interesting, well, what I didn't mention last time, is though, um, back then, not every TV show got a box set, you know, like we see today. Yeah. Um, but Firefly did because of the reason it was cut short. And some of the episodes didn't get aired. So it was a way for people, the, you know, the viewers who liked it to to watch it till the end those episodes they didn't get to see on tv and it it made huge huge sale numbers became so popular that it's one of the reasons that now every single tv show well probably going to stop now because of online streaming but for a long long time every tv show uh, had that box set that you could go and buy and because of that because of how well the dvd sales did that it was always when you went on play.com and t- you know the top 100 tv series that's how i found it no in fact my cousin introduced it to me but uh, i noticed it was always in the top 10 top five was the complete season of firefly yeah um 
so it's this western in space it's this um you know this this idea of like a band these these group of characters that are all together that have very different personalities but they work as a group a bit of a family and they just go on their adventures and it's essentially trying to survive in this uh, almost dystopian world really where they're, they're sort of outsiders uh, and they've got to do odd jobs so they're they're kind of the bad guys because they're criminals in a way yeah um, but they also have that moral compass moral line um, and yeah that there's mystery there's action there's romance there's comedy it has its it has quite dark moments. I remember an episode particularly where two of the characters are tortured. Um, and yeah, I think what what makes it so soul-crushing is, even as I rewatch it now, I'm like, I can really see where this show was going. You know, there, there had this almost conspiracy, like it, it's sprinkled throughout this idea that this government in this uh, sci-fi world is it's not quite as they seem. Um and and you they started to explore that and they explored it a bit more in the in the movie as well Serenity which was a great way to to finish it off but like you said about Parks and Rex you can tell that the actors were friends yeah um, because the chemistry on screen was was so good and and when you talk you see interviews now with you know for instance Nathan Fillion's uh, did ridiculous amount of seasons of of Castle playing the an author who works with a detective. Which um, I bet you hate by the sounds of it. Well, I ended up watching it because I love Nathan Fillion so much. I ended up following most of the key characters' TV shows because I liked them so much. Yeah. Um, but he always would try and get references to Firefly in it. Like you, um, you used to wear a brown coat and stuff like that, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. It was quite subtle at first, and then it was just... He might as well have said, hey, I was in Firefly by the end because it was so obvious. But I loved that. But that showed, you know, all those, you know, 10, 15 years after he'd been on it, a show that got cut after 13 episodes. It had such an impact on his life and and things like that. And uh, the character who plays Wash, I think it's Alan uh, Gek. Yeah. He he ends up doing a TV show called Con Man, which was essentially about how he just, they all, if you look at them, they all go to cons. Not now, obviously. Conventions. Fuck you, COVID. But yeah, they go to all these conventions, um, sci-fi conventions, to, to talk on panels because they still love talking about their character and that show and that world and speaking to fans who are still now. You know, how many people could go to a convention now where thousands of people want to ask them questions about the show that only made 13 episodes in yeah. the early 2000s? Like, I, I think it just shows, and I'm biased, obviously, because I love it, but there's not a single bad episode in there and... I think the end of the series and the film, actually I know some people are like, well, I'm not going to watch a show that I've fallen in love with and it was cancelled. There's enough closure from the final episode of the series and the um, film there, I think, for it still to feel like a self-contained story. Yeah, see, I always forget it. about the film because I'm one of those people who's like, do I really want to get invested knowing that it's going to end early? Which is weird because I have watched a lot of shows that have got cancelled way before they've had like ending on cliffhangers and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, I always forget the film is there to actually bring an end to the whole series. Yeah, I, I think it's weird because I I, I assume I, I can't remember. But I feel like they obviously didn't know the last episode that aired and they filmed was going to be the last episode. Um, but that. And with Serenity, it does feel like it ends well. You know to I me, mean? in some ways, better than some shows that purposely had their ending chosen. Yeah. You know to I me, mean? they got to choose it. Um, so, yeah, that's my number two. I still love it now. And I think if you're one person who's like, mm, I don't like sci-fi, I'm not going to go. 
I don't really like sci-fi. I'm, I don't like Star Trek. I'm not a massive Star Wars fan. Um, but it feels very human. Like I said, they call it a Western in space. And often the episodes are going down onto planets that feel like Earth or a version of it that enough that you can, you know, suspend, disspend your belief sort of thing. And yeah, so don't please don't be put off if you're not into sci-fi because I'm not particularly, um, but could still enjoy it. It's still worth it. Yeah. No, I think it's a good choice and still one that, like you say, people do still talk about now. It's just become a cult classic TV show. It's, it's still in the top ten, I think, for um, on the TV shows on IMDb. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Right, I'm going to continue with a slight theme that we seem to have been running across the last three choices. And that's of a bunch of characters in which the actors, the rapport there is what seems to make the show fantastic. So again, okay. this is another comedy. And... The Parks and Recs was originally conceived as a spin-off to this show, and it's the US Office. Great choice. Me and Sean are yeah. watching through it now. Yeah, so me and Lauren, we finished it about a year or so ago. Um, after just, I'd ignored it and refused to watch it because of I loved the British version so much. Mm. And then when you start watching it, the US one is like it. The first three episodes or so actually follow the British series almost word for word. And it's like, oh, is this really going to be good? It, The characters aren't as likeable either. Steve Carell, who plays Michael Scott, his character isn't that likeable in the first season. But then the second season comes along, and the end of season one anyway. But the end of season one, uh, it starts to follow its own sort of path. And in season two, Michael, uh, sorry, Steve Carell, he wanted to play Michael Scott a lot more likeable instead of this a bit of an office dick, like a manager who was a bit of a dick. He wanted to have a bit more heart, heart to it. And then that's when the series comes into its own. It doesn't really follow on from the British series, apart from the basic plot. And then it has just become its own show, and it deserves to be applauded for that. It was just really, really good. And it almost it's far better, in my opinion, than the British one. And that's a show I consider in, in really high regard. But the cast of characters, like all of the characters in the show, they're just so, they're normal people. And that's what I like about it. And they're just lovable, normal people, which obviously you've got the um, straight uh, comedy actor in Jim Halpert, but, and all the other characters are a bit odd and bizarre. But isn't everyone a little bit odd and bizarre in their own quirky way? And that's what makes it work. Like it's got this, an office full of these quirky people that you would probably see in a normal office. Yeah, and... In a lot of ways, yeah, you've got Michael Scott, um, you've got Jim, and you've got Pam who are, and Dwight, who are probably the main four characters. Yeah, those are the, the four main characters. Time. But if you just had them four, I don't think for me anyway, the show would have worked without those, those side characters. Like Kevin, yes. just like odd little moments every other episode like will make the whole episode. And Yeah, just I just love the cold opening when he comes in with his chilli. And then he just drops it all on the floor. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a great moment. It's just like absolutely bizarre. How is that fun? Literally, it's just a man bringing in some chili that he's really happy about making. And he drops it on the floor and spends trying to scoop it onto the back into the pan. And that's it. That's the opening to the episode. Uh, do you know what? I, I think as well with it, though, like going back to what you said earlier about the idea that the, the character. The characters are larger than life. They're, they almost seem unrealistic. But if you've yes. worked in an office or you've worked in those you know, jobs similar, 
you'll be like, oh, that cat, that person is just like you know this person I work with. And I think um, Ryan's perspective as the temp, that's you coming into this office, and yes. his reaction is like what your reaction it would be if you were in that office or your reaction when you were in a similar office where you're like, 100%. what the hell is going on? Who are these people? Why am I here? And you see it all the time. Like Jim sort of accepted that he's normally in a weird place and committed to it. Whereas Ryan's the one who shares the, you know, like the, the real human reaction of what you would be like if you were in there with those people. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. And just the pranks as well that um, Jim pulls on Dwight. I really love that side of it. Well, all. here we go. Let's name our favourite pranks. I was about to ask you the exact same question. Right, so my one is when Jim hires an actor to come in and pretend to be Jim, but the actor he's hired is actually an Asian actor, and they really go along with it, and Pam pretends to, like, goes up to him and says, oh, hi, Jim, and everything, and they've, like, redone some of their photos, um, so it's this Asian guy in place of Jim in the photos. And Dwight's just really confused and mind-blowing about the whole thing. He doesn't understand what the hell's going on. Yeah, I like that one. I, li- I like that one because I-, I can imagine someone doing that. Like, it's, I thought it was a really genius one. The fact that like stuff like he'd, give, he'd obviously given the Asian character a, the password to his computer and stuff like that. So he knows like every little intricate detail about <laughs> Jim's life. <laughs> that really plays into just Dwight's confusion about the whole thing. My favourite is not one that you see on screen. Uh, it's an episode recently. I've, um, like I said, I'm, I'm re-watching it and Sean is going through yeah. the first time. And it's the episode where Michael takes on all the HR complaints and we find there's a whole box of Dwight's that they've never dealt with. And Michael tries to go through them. And Michael's just reading through a list of all the different ones, the pranks he's done that Dwight's complained about. Oh, and there's okay. one where he says, uh, he's reading it, it says, and Dwight says... Um, <laughs> Jim put a bloody glove in my desk drawer today and tried to convince me that I was a murderer but hadn't didn't realise that I was a I just absolutely loved it. Because oh, again, I could... About, that's something that if I went and worked in an office, I was like, I think I would try and do that now. I think yeah. I would, if I found no, a Dwight, I would try and do that. No, it's a great show. And it ends so nicely as well. It's yeah. a shame that... Uh, Steve Carell did leave like two seasons before the end. I've never watched it after that point because of that, but I'm going to finish it this time with... Uh, yeah, no, else. I will say, so Andy Bernard takes over, um, played by Ed Helms, and he doesn't do a bad job. It's not quite the same show, and he's definitely missing Steve Carell, but he does make a few appearances afterwards as well. Yeah. And it's just, his final episode, it's just heartbreaking as well. It's a, that's another episode where it chokes you, and the series could have ended there. It's just, yeah, love it. Nice one, good choice. D- didn't think I'd love it when, like I said, two years ago, if you asked me for this list, this would be right down the bottom and probably my, my worst TV shows because I wouldn't have given it a chance because I hated the idea of it. I think they took liberties, or I thought they took liberties with the British one, but actually they, annoyingly, I'm annoyed that I missed it for so long. I think I've heard quite a few British people who'd watched the British office first have said they prefer the American office. I think it's one of the yeah. few times that it's done that. And I think the reason why is because they didn't try to be the American... Uh, the U- they didn't just try to be the US version of the UK office. Like I said, they did for a bit yeah. in season one. It didn't work. It's when they went and did their own thing that actually, other than name and sort of character names and slight relationships, it was a complete... Yeah, because obviously Jim it? and Pam are the same as Dawn and Tim. The will they, won't they sort of thing. 
and Dwight and I forgot what the UK version, but played by um, Mackenzie Crook. So there, there's the parallels there, yeah. but then that's as far as it yeah, goes. Honourable no. mentions. mentions. <laughs> Jinx. Um, I, I want to rattle off Loads. a couple I that were <laughs> that were just could have been there, but so like the first two seasons of Lost, amazing, then went downhill. Um, the first season of Heroes, amazing, and then turned into a shower of shit. Um, one that, I th- you know, it's a recency bias. It's because I'm watching it currently again. Um, I know it's not really my top five, but Suits. I think for a bloke, the TV show Suits is amazing because Harvey Specter is just the man you want to be. He's just cool as fuck. Um, he's a kick-ass lawyer. Wears cool suits, has nice cars, uh, women love him, blokes want to be him. It's just, it's a very much a sort of fantasy show for you to watch and be like, what a cool guy he is, I wish I was him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my actual honourable mention that I'm going to go into in a little bit more detail is the first five seasons of Supernatural. Dear God, what a great show that was. And I the never ending. Watched it. Oh, it ended season five and it was perfect. Like, absolutely perfect it's officially the ended cr- now hasn't it yeah the creator left and they carried it on and season 6 and 7 were shocking season 8 everyone called season great because that's when it got better I think that's when uh, Eric Cripe I think his name is the creator came back um, but I just is he the I same don't know, creator was... of the boys I don't know I'm going to google that just that name rings a bell it is um, but yeah it was it was brilliant and for those who don't know the, the, the premise is um Two brothers, Sam and Dean Winchester, are hunters. They hunt supernatural things and stop them. Um, and the world doesn't know they exist. So they essentially just drive around this really cool Chevy 6869 Impala uh, around America, trying to find, looking for news clippings for things that uh, the rest of the world don't realise supernatural they do, and they go and try and, and help him save people. And the other sort of running, I guess, the arc, the overarching arc as they do the monster of the week and try and solve it is uh, their dad's gone missing. He's trying to find the demon that killed their mother uh, and they're trying to track him down at the same time as well. Um, and like I say, the, the first five seasons are so, so good. Yeah, it's one that I've never watched. and I've sort of... Mate, we'll put that on our list. Do you know what we'll do, genuinely, when COVID's over? We'll do, a, we'll do like a whole day where we watch like... The first episodes of you know, some of the shows I've not seen before uh, of yours, I watched the first episode, and some of the shows you've not seen. Yeah, mine like before, a good idea. First episode. Although I think you've seen all of mine so far. Well, honourable mentions well, in number one. Honourable mentions. mentions. So again, I've got a whole series, whole load of shows that I could just rattle off and want them to be here. Oddly, the ones that come to my head are all animation. So like, you got Archer, you got Venture Brothers, uh, Big Mouth, like all fantastic shows. But I've gone a bit rogue with my honourable mention. Let's go. I've gone for a person. For what? I'd like to give my honourable mention to Michael Schur. He is the producer and writer of The Office, and he also uh, starred in the show as uh, Moe's Street. He co-created Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Parks and Recreations. He created The Good Place, and he produced, um, produced Master of None. He is... So, Brooklyn Nine-Nine... The Office, Parks and Recs, and The Good Place are probably four of my top five comedy TV shows of all time. Great choices. And I just wanted to give him credit 
for creating and producing and writing some of the, my favorite TV out there just deserves to be there because of that. So like I say, a bit rogue with it, but no, I like it. give credit where credit's due. It's clearly got the golden touch when it comes to TV shows. Hasn't oh it? yeah. It's time for number one. Do you have it in your head? Do you think you know what my number one is? What genre is it? I'm not telling you. Oh. I just wanted to know. If you... I know you used to watch a lot of um, Powerpuff Girls when you was younger. But I, I don't it. think that'd be there. Do you know what? You're joking. But I genuinely did used to watch Powerpuff Girls when I was younger. Oh, I think we no all shame. Do. Maybe that'd be a ca- <laughs> Maybe that'd be a category top cartoon network TV shows. Yeah. Well, my number one is a remake of an 80s TV show. And that is Battlestar Galactica. So, the four of the five shows that you've named, I've not watched. Wow, you've never. <laughs> I've never watched Battlestar Galactica. The other day, I was actually looking. I Why do we do this podcast? I know. I apparently don't watch TV <laughs> or films, even though I do. <laughs> um. Yeah, Battlestar Galactica. First of all, if oh, you watch before the we film go any further, one, am I this podcast audience? Am I you mean? listening to this podcast going, oh, yeah, those are good shows. Maybe I should give them a watch. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, Battle Galactica. Um, if you watch the film's podcast, you'll know that I said that I like sort of fugitive people on the run. And that's the whole premise of it. So Battlestar Galactica is there are uh, 12, I think I'm right to say there's 12 planets um, full of humans. And... Uh, one day, the the robot slaves they've created, essentially, called the Cylons, uh, just revolt and they destroy every single planet in a calculated attack all at the same time. Uh, and it means that only sort of people who were in spaceships at the time are um, alive. And there's these things called Battlestars, which are these big sort of spaceships that have um, almost like a... Uh, what are one of those ships called that they can carry jets? Jet carriers? Is that a thing? Maybe. Do you know what I'm about? It's almost like that. So they've got ships on. The, anyway, this this Battlestar's got uh, smaller ships on their fighters, almost like a X-Wing that they can send out of it to fight as well. Um, and they've got sort of faster than light. They can you know disappear. So they essentially are on the run as the Cylons try and end, because they think they're the last humans alive. They've got, they get a few other sort of smaller civilian ships and they're, they're on the run. And they're trying to find sort of safety where the, the Cylons can't catch them. Yeah. Um, but one of the big twists is obviously most of the things chasing them are robots, but it also turns out that they have some Cylons that are um, human or look human. Um, and so throughout the series, sort of characters we think are human are revealed to be actually they were robots, and some knew and were, you know, trying to, uh, you know, was giving away intel. And some of them didn't even know they were Cylons. Oh, okay. Um, which is really, really trippy. And essentially, the, the, the Holy Grail is they hear that in their history there's this 13th colony that they'd never heard of, who rather than, you know, when all these colonies went out to find a new world, they didn't. Um, they, they didn't go with the rest and they went off on their own. So they're hoping to try and find that there's this 13th colony who are somewhere hidden that they can go and and hide with and get away from the, um, the, the Cylons. And it's amazing. The, the storyline was thought out before, so he had his beginning, middle, and end before he filmed anything. Okay, that's always a good... the shows like Lost. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
um, and they offered him more seasons as a creator. Is it Ron Moore? I think it is. And he said, no, I know exactly where I want it to be. How many series were there? Technically four, but I think five, because I think they split series four into two 12-episode series Wasn't rather it? than one. Oh, yeah, you said, you'd said it was a remake of an 80s show. I do apologise. Yeah, that's right. And a, a great thing there is they hired um, Katie Sackhoff, yeah. who's amazing in it, and she plays a character called uh, Starbuck. And in the original, Starbuck was a character as a male. He was like a macho. He drank whiskey, smoked cigars. He was a ladies' man. Uh, and she was still that character in a lot of ways. You know, she smoked cigars, she had a whiskey, she was tough. She was... Um, should fight people, should swear, and things like that. And that, that was great as well. It didn't feel like they were just trying to do that as well in terms of like, oh, we're just trying to pander towards an audience. It was just clearly she she was great for the role and, and deserved yeah. to be Starbuck. She was Starbuck. Um, real character development, real... And what I mean by... What was great about this is that the, the characters had sort of agency and, ha- and were realistic. So sometimes the characters would do something and you'd hate them for it. It'd actually make you dislike the character. But it's what that character would have done in that moment. Whereas sometimes I feel like in shows, uh, characters get into a situation where they've got to make a tough decision that'd make you dislike them and they don't do it. But you're like, but that character would have done it. Just Does that make sense? Yeah. But the, the writers or producers are probably scared that they're you know going to turn the audience off. And they never did that. It was always brave storytelling. And uh, one of my favourite storylines is one of the producers um, was like, I think it needs to be a bit funnier yeah comedies are really popular at the minute he's like this isn't a comedy this is like a dark sci-fi well, yeah that's fair and he's like he's like we've just you know they've just committed mass genocide in the first episode and they're like no we really want to push for comedy so he did an episode uh, at the start of an episode where this guy's got this award they're all celebrating because he's had his a thousand flight or something like that with you know without dying obviously yeah and they're pushing him around in this uh, barrel almost on the flight deck and it turns out it's got a bomb in it and it accidentally blows up and kills him. Oh. <laughs> and then uh, he said, apparently the producer was like, is that your comedy? He's like, yep. He's like, oh, okay, don't, don't worry about your comedy. <laughs> yeah, so he basically just did a really shit job on purpose. The darkest So that they didn't come yeah. asking for, yeah, exactly. He's like, here's some really dark shit for you. Um, and he's like, you just carry on doing what you're doing. Um, but yeah, and again... For someone who doesn't like sci-fi, I've got two sci-fi shows on there. But again, it's it's not sci-fi. Like it, at one point, it's a real uh, huge like social commentary on the Iraq War. Okay. And without getting too much spoilers about that season, um, essentially the humans at one point are basically uh, find a planet, um, think they're safe, but they're not, and the, the Cylons come and essentially they're like slaves on this planet they've been living on for a few years. Mm. Um, and because the Cylons are so powerful, they've taken all the weapons away. The only way they can sort of think to, you know, attack them and make a dent in them because they're so outgunned is, for instance, to do like guerrilla warfare. And one of that includes uh, some of the humans being suicide bombers. And it's so interesting because obviously the, the humans are the heroes throughout the first few seasons. You know, you really like a lot of them. And essentially, they're the Iraqis and the Cylons are the Americans. And it, I think that was so clever at that time where there was so much racism towards um, Iraq. Uh, and Middle Easterns, that it was a great way. I think fi- fi- sci-fi and fantasy are amazing at flipping um, racial views oh, yeah. uh, on their head and making us see it from a different angle. And I'm like, that. If I was, I can imagine a lot of Americans looking at that. Potentially had a look in the mirror afterwards and were like, actually, shit. You know, perhaps they're not all like this. Perhaps it's you know from their point of view. A lot of them 
they're just living a normal life, and America's just come and gone. Here you go, and England. Uh, yeah. uh, here, you know, I'm here, and uh, yeah, like I say, if it, saying it was a sci-fi uh, setting, it had a lot of social commentary and a lot of reflection on what was going on in society at the time. Um, so it was it was clever as well as as being entertaining. And again, although it's sci-fi, it didn't feel too sci-fi. It felt like a human show with human storylines. Yeah. Well, like like I say, that's one that's always been on my list on ones that I would like to watch at some point. I do know a vague idea of it because I did play a board game once um, of it in which you had to try and work out who the Cylons were. Um, and which? Future Top 5? Yeah. At some point that will be arriving. Uh, but, yeah, it's one that I do plan on watching at some point. I don't have much to say, unfortunately, in terms of questions or anything, because I don't know much about the show, unfortunately. So I can only apologise about that. But you, you've done That's well okay. in describing what it's about. I'm glad. Right. So we went a bit heavy with the political side of it just then, so let's move it a bit lighter now with my top choice. Do you have any idea what it might be? I think you do. It's not scripted in any shape or form. Um, I, not right now, no, but I'm sure... You 100% do know it. And it seems like a bit of an odd choice to be on here, considering all the other, well, the nine other choices that we've picked so far, and even including our honourable mentions. But it is kind of a TV panel show. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> it is it is my favourite show of all time. I watch everything to do with it. Well, I'll say what it is. It's Taskmaster. And I absolutely adore the show. I don't know what it is about it. It's just... You just forget about what's going on with the world and sit down and well, watch an hour of comedians just doing stupid things. I think, first of all, because I legitimately not heard of the show or anything about it until you told me yeah. about it. And then obviously watched it, loved it. Do you want to explain just briefly for anyone that hasn't heard of the show before? Yeah, so what it is, is there's um, the Taskmaster, who's portrayed by Greg Davis, uh, sets challenges for five celebrities uh, through the use of his assistant, Little Alex Horn. And these challenges... So the first episode sets it off perfectly. The first actual task that they perform... So they get a piece of paper that has the task on it and it says something along the lines of there is a melon in the next room. You have one minute to eat as much melon as possible. Your time starts when you enter the room. So they have a bit of time to think about what they're going to do. Roisin Conti just walks in with like a melon baller and she doesn't really know how to open it and she manages to literally get a tiny mouthful of melon by the time the time's run out because... She walks in, sees the melon, and walks out. So her time started. Uh, and then it goes to the other extreme end of the spectrum with Romish Ranganathan, who literally runs into the room, <laughs> chucks the watermelon onto the floor, and starts inhaling this watermelon as fast as possible. <laughs> and it's just, like, this, the tasks are really stupid. And it's been going for 11 seasons now. They've uh, filmed... Uh, Season 11, they just haven't aired it yet. And it's also had uh, Champions of Champions and a New Year's special. And just how it's Alex Horn who creates all these tasks and come up with the idea. I can tell you a bit about the, the history of Taskmaster in a second. But it's just really, really smart how he thinks of all these tasks and gets the... It's the show that all comedians want to be on. Like I've, I've listened to the podcast with Ed Gamble. And he was saying he was... He was talking to, I think it was Jessica Nappett, who's also been on the show... And she said that she told someone she was on Taskmaster. 
and they physically got annoyed at a party because they've been wanting to be on the show for ages. It's just a show that all <laughs> comedians just want to be on. And it's just a brilliant show. I really love it. Do you know what my favourite thing about it as well is? So, you, like you say, there's there's five comedians who are the, doing the challenges. Yeah. Then you've got Greg Davis, who's the Taskmaster, who's a comedian. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Alex Horn, his assistant, who's in reality is the one who does a lot of the work. Isn't yeah, he does. He does up. everything to do with the show, really. Um, is also a, a comedian. So you've got seven comedians, and when you first told me, I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be a bit much." And like, you know, I, who, I can't remember his name. Who, Russell? I'm not a massive fan of Russell Howard, who's a contestant yeah. in one season. Because I think when he's on shows like Room 101 and Mock the Week, he tries to be. He tries to overdo it, and he gets almost, I don't know, it feels like he gets competitive to be the funniest person on there. And then I'm like, oh, there's nothing worse than a comedian who's a tryhard, in my opinion. It's, I just find it cringeworthy. Yeah. But all the comedians on the show don't try and be funny, really, or don't try and be comedians. Like, they're they're so invested in well, one. You see their actual to... personalities, don't you? Yeah, exactly. You don't see their characters, really. They drop it, and, like, they all clearly look up to to Greg Davis, it feels like anyway. So they sort of, you know, he's sort of the comedian when they're doing the the show element, um, and then when they're doing the tasks, like I say, that they're, they're either shit but don't mean to be, which is funny, super competitive, which can be quite funny, or take it really seriously, which is sort of interesting because yeah. that's what you want to do. It's, it's a nice mixture, and like I say, I it made me like Russell Howard that show, and I, I disliked him before, yeah, um, because they don't try and be. It's not. It's almost like everyone forgets it's a comedy show half the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a good no, way, a... which makes it funny and more natural, I guess. No, exactly. And they've proved recently, they did a New Year's special in which they didn't actually have comedians on. So they had uh, people like uh, Nicola Cloglin, who was in uh, most recent... Si- well, he's in Derry Girls and Bridgerton. They had Shirley Ballas from Strictly Come Dancing. They had Rylan Clark, uh, John Hanna and... I've forgotten his first name, Kieran Grish... Uh, no. A, a news news reporter. The only and person I knew from that list was Ryden Clark. Yeah, it's... <laughs> well, John Hanna, you'd know. He's, uh, you know, um, Evie's sister from The Mummy? If you've, you've watched The Mummy, yeah? Yeah, I fucking love The Mummy. What a great yeah. shout-out. No, that's a Sunday film. That's a perfect Sunday 3pm film, The Mummy. That's, that's a missed honourable mentions last week, is what that is. And I feel like we should have done, like... What type of movies fit each day? Like, there's a movie I always say to Shaw Hunter, she will say, Oh, she watched that time. I'm like, On a Friday, that's a Saturday film. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just have films where I'm like, That's that's clearly a day. <laughs> like, well, yeah, there's like, like on Monday to Thursdays, you want a bit more light hearted, don't you? Yeah, you don't want anything too serious. So, yeah, anyway, we're, this that's beside the point. We're talking about TV series at the moment. Uh, but yeah, Taskmaster, absolutely love it. Top show. I've ha- I've hosted Taskmaster parties. I've come up with my own tasks and ideas. I'm quite frequent on the Reddit there. Absolutely love the show. I think fitting, knowing you as as I do, yeah, it it couldn't be anything but uh, yeah, Taskmaster. Exactly. Like it seems like a really unusual choice to have in a top five TV series, but absolutely, I could watch. Every, I've watched every show, every episode, sorry, numerous times. And I easily could. I've told Lauren, so my wife's currently pregnant and our midwife told us that we need to, like continuity in terms of sound. If like you watch a TV series at a certain time every night, uh, the baby likes that and they might become associated with like falling asleep to that. And previously with Series 10, The Taskmaster, that was on every Thursday night at 9 o'clock. 
So I told Lauren we're going to have to continue watching Taskmaster every night because the baby <laughs> likes that every Thursday. So yeah, well, absolutely love it. I know Lauren listens to this, so I apologise if I get you into like a little bit of trouble here because I don't think Lauren knows this, but the only reason Mike got Lauren pregnant was because I gave him a task and that was uh, his way of... <laughs> <laughs> My wife actually, she, she might kill me for this, she's actually got a secret crush on Greg Davis and I don't know whether that's the reason she watches the show with me. I think I've got a little crush on Greg Davis. You know, so do I now. I just, you know, I used to I... watch him on his We Are Clang days back in the days, and um, but since he's gone on his own, he's he's sort of he's definitely aged very well. That's for sure. He's got better as it's gone on. I think I could talk about Greg Davis for our next hour-long podcast. To be honest, yes. yeah. Well, that'd be spoilers for top five comedians. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be a good one. That's a good one, isn't it? Make a note. <laughs> so there we go. Taskmaster is my number one. It couldn't be anything but. Love it. I think quite varied there. I would love to see as well. Um, I don't think we really mentioned it at the start, but we're we're on Twitter. Our handles uh, Mamon Podcast. Uh, same on Facebook, and our email is Mamon Podcast at hotmail dot com. Um, as well as hearing your top fives for TV shows, uh, and hearing your top five ideas you'd like us to talk about, I'd genuinely love to hear if anyone has picked up a game or a film or a TV show from our recommendation and to hear what they thought of it. I'm hoping it's positive. Can you imagine if they're like, I watched all four seasons of Bad Side Galactica on your recommendation and it was shit. Yeah. <laughs> We'd love to do like um, a little sort of mailbox at the start of each episode potentially where we talk about reviews that have come in and our opinions on your reviews or things like that from recommendations that we might have suggested. So we, re- we really appreciate the, all the um, interaction we've had so far. Tell you that and now. when I get your recommendations, often I find them soul-crushing because I'm like, why the hell did I not pick that or this? Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, there's been a lot of people that have said games, games and films to me recently. And it's like, oh yeah, I definitely should have included that one. Or, But again, there's so many films and games and TV series and as they sit, uh, podcast goes on, other categories that... There's so many things that you could think, and you, mm. we don't have all the time to go through every single one to make sure we're 100% confident in our choices. I don't know about you, because we've never talked about this, actually, but I have like an unofficial rule in my head every time I do a top five. What do you that mean? I'm trying to make it varied, and I try to... I don't know, I want it to be like I like the idea of someone picking up a recommendation because I, I'm obsessed with top fives in, before this, like or top tens. You know what I mean? I'll always Google top ten films, top ten fantasy films, top ten RPGs, uh, or whatever. And you know, I love looking at that and and then genuinely going on to play them or watch them or whatever it may be. Um, yeah. So that's my always thing is I try to be varied so I can get as many sort of things and and be I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's my main thing. I try to be varied, so I'm hoping to give people a choice, so I'm not just all one sort of track. Yeah, I think that's fair. I've, Do you I've have any sort to... of unofficial rules you give yourself? Well, I did the same thing, because, like I said previously, when I did my list, I had five comedies on there. And I was like, I can't have five comedies. So I do try and sort of mix it up a little bit as best as possible, because obviously it is our top five, and it'd be lying if I decided to pick a random sci-fi show oh yes same yeah yeah you you can't just pick something too varied if you don't believe in it yeah 100% exactly but yeah I do try and keep it varied within my top five the other official rule I have is if I know we've got a category coming later Mm. 
and I know it's one hundred percent fits that category more than this category. Yeah, you won't. I use might it. avoid it slightly. Yeah, I get what you're saying. So, for example, um, I know at some point we'll probably do top five Netflix originals. So you'll you won't use one of the TV shows. So I purposely didn't there, pick yeah. any Netflix originals on this one. I don't think I did, did it either. Not purposely. No. No, no mine have all finished, which is nice. Yeah, that is nice because if someone does want to pick up the recommendation, yeah, it's, it's you, you know you know it's got an ending. Well, ta- Taskmaster, this is us and Mandalorian are still going from my choices, but ta- Taskmaster you can pick up whenever. Well, let's hope none of them turn into the next Lost, and you get someone hooked, and then they're like, "Why know, did you do this to me?" Imagine, <laughs> didn't think about that one, did I? <laughs> right, so I'm going to say Mandalorian series one to two, fantastic. This is us series one to four, fantastic. Taskmaster series one to ten, fantastic. Okay. <laughs> After that, you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> Make up your own decisions. Right. Okay. Nice. So, Mike, what are our next top five that we're going to be talking about? So, next week, we're going to be looking at and discussing our top five superheroes. Yes, great one, that. Haven't done my list yet, but I've got an idea of exactly what ones I want to be on there. I've got one choice I'm really happy with. And then, obviously, I can pick the next four, but there's only, there's one that I'm like, yep, I'm really happy with that. Uh, yeah. And then there's so many to pick for after that that uh, I hate it. Is it Arm Fall Off Boy? Yes. Is he, is he number one? Yes, correct. Coincidentally, going to be in Suicide, the next Suicide Squad, played by Nathan Fillion. I love Nathan Fillion, as you know. Mm. So it could well be there. Okay, on that note, I'm going to use my arm to click off, and I will see you next week. Yeah, thanks for listening. What? See you all next week. Bye. See you next week. Bye, bye.